I'm Dallas Gabriel, President at Willis. And I'm John Topic, Director of Marketing. Each episode will be joined by special guests and dive into material design trends and solutions. We'll discuss exciting design ideas, inspirational concepts, technical aspects, and so much more. So let's explore. Hey everyone, we are excited to have Mark Woodman, design and color creative consultant, brand ambassador for Corian Design with us today. Mark assists the global marketing team on color trends that impact both residential, commercial, and industrial design. Mark is also a passionate designer, writer, design trend analyst, and celebrated international speaker. Mark, do you want to comment just um, briefly a little bit more on your background? Gee, well, hi, and thank you for having me. First off, it's delightful to be here. And gee, more of my background, you covered it pretty well, although I think one thing that's important and has really been nice for us in what I'm doing with uh, Corian is that I'm a practicing interior designer. So I'm actually sort of in the trenches with people every day in what they're looking for, for their homes to create spaces that they want to come back to every day. And, uh, and just create something really marvelous, not only with within the space itself, but all the aesthetics that are involved in it. That's uh, that's fantastic because it, it, you get the chance to hear um, you know the consumer voice and 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 uh, feedback from uh, the industry on what's happening and and like I said that feedback is is very important to bring back to uh, companies like Corian Design and and show them what um, consumers are looking for. It, it really is great and and it's interesting sometimes when you find out it's sometimes just really a small little thing that you will sit back and go, oh, yeah, big picture. It's easy to kind of overlook that. But small picture, like really really get down to the details of a space. It's like, yeah, we do need to look at maybe more reveals on the edge of a countertop. You know, that'd be really cool. Let's think of some new things that we can do with that. And it's just it's little things like that, but it winds up in conversations with people. Yeah. Like they said, the, the details are the design, right, Mark? Oh, clearly. Yeah. So I'm just as excited to have you here today. Um, and we're going to discuss today um, a look into the journey of a materials color launch. So more specifically, um, the recent launch of seven new beautiful Corian solid surface aesthetics, as well as, which I'm even more excited about, 10 Corian quartz aesthetics that have just been launched into the market as of just last week. Uh, and we know most designers are really eager to see new colors. It's it's an exciting time of the year when a manufacturer brings out new colors because it usually represents new trends for the coming years. So, Mark, tell us a little bit how a manufacturer really starts with a color launch. It's ongoing. There's never really a start to it um, as far as the aesthetics are concerned. It's It really is an evolutionary process. And... I guess you could look at a start thinking at one point, like when is the ideal for this or when do we feel we have it right, which is probably a really good thing to think about it when it came off. So, and maybe we can come back to this at one point. So if, as we're talking, remind me about that with um, one of the new solid surface uh, materials or aesthetics, I should say. So, sorry, are, are you saying that, you know, you've got these colors kind of in the queue and, and just really need to wait for the right time or a year to launch? Some, some of it is that way, yes, uh, because we're always doing research. So I tend to be looking out with some of the organizations I'm involved with, as well as my own um, research, 
looking a good two to three years out as best we can to see what's happening in a macro sense to society, what's happening. And we look at, we look at food and travel and um, entertainment, sociology, but what's happening in politics, uh, the world stage, you know, is, is our, is our little research bowl in a sense. And so you're always looking and thinking like, Oh, we're sort of going this direction, but Oh, look, this just zagged in a different way. So let's, let's move it that way. So it winds up, that research winds up moving so many different things, not only in color, but also in the aesthetics itself. Do veins have to be larger and bolder or smaller? And we had a lot of small particulates for a long time, and we know what's been going on with that. So we have like the new um, terrazzo, the alabaster terrazzo that just came out of quartz, which is a larger, bolder one because there was demand for a bigger statement um, in pieces. Not like statements we were talking about before, where we used to have just you know, huge, massive areas, but just something that said made a, a more natural statement in a really good way of looking at that. So you look at nature, how people are living with that, how they're communing back and forth with it. And all those elements, you just keep connecting dots. Every day, you're connecting dots from something uh, to see where it kind of winds up and eventually translates to a surface. How do we translate what we're looking to looking at into a surface. So for instance, on the new ones, we've been watching and I've been watching for the last couple of years now, the warming of color and the importance of, to put in quotation marks, uh, the importance of beige, uh, which is actually just the center point of a much broader uh, palette of warm colors from a fairly light, if we look, we'll talk about in coffee terms, um, from a fairly light latte to a deep espresso. And beige sort of landing right in the middle of that with this sort of mid-range cup of coffee with about half and half of milk and coffee in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that, we thought, okay, what are we doing with that? How do we bridge that? Because we know how important gray has been in cool colors have been for quite some time. They're starting to warm up. So how do you bridge that? How do you move it? Because we know that everyone is not going to say, oh, great, warm colors now. Let's toss everything that's cool, put in everything that's warm. So you watch that happen as a larger trend and then start looking in smaller ways. Is it a veining that goes into a piece? Is it cool with warm introduced into it? Is it background color? Is it a a small fleck of a particulate? And all those things are just continual conversation. Well, it certainly sounds like it's a very complex process. Um, uh, And also too, I mean, I, I just love the fact that you were able to give us some of those key indicators you know, that you really look for within the industry, outside of the industry, and what really impacts the color trends. So once you've sort of decided on that, and and by the way, I'm happy to hear that things are warming up a little bit. Um, <laughs> what what happens when a color palette is decided on? You know, how do you work with the Corian design team to, you know, develop samples? Like, is there is there is there a full process to that? Are you developing like a sample plaque and then you kind of you know, you move on from there. How is that decided, Mark? We, we do actually. Um, it, and that's very time consuming uh, because you, you, you work at it because uh, it doesn't always come out the way you want it to the first time, but that's with almost everything that we do um, in, in, in certainly in design. You, you kind of work through and, <clears throat> excuse me, plan it through further. Uh, so yeah, we work with R&D. We also almost simultaneously are working with our distributors, we will be talking with with customers, with architects and designers, our sales force, 
So we want all the information coming from every possible resource to help you um, define your direction and narrow down the scope. And that the me and but in the meantime, you're saying, okay, it's great to have this, and there's, that's really good feedback. But we still have to have a sense of drama, a moment of excitement. So if everything is just you know like it can't just be beige, it's got to be beige with something that makes it visually interesting, and that ideally sets us apart or becomes a great jumping off point. So for instance, uh, Beige Royale, which had been worked on for, oh, probably actually almost since Ash and Gray came out, we were already looking at what what's our next step on that. Ash and Gray Quartz being a phenomenal success. And Beige Royale is based on that. So we, we took the aesthetic of that, knowing the aesthetic was very successful. So, okay, now, now what do we do with that to shift this in a warmer direction? as things start to change, but people like the look of it, but we know the color has to shift slightly. So that was part of that, knowing what was incredibly successful in the field and what has been a big winner. How do we make it new and fresh and modern or more modern and, and give it a longer life without taking away from the one that will, that will remain successful? So now they get to sort of work in tandem. And it's also one of those, what, what people want in choices and we know that one of the things we found is that it's fairly broad, warm, cool, light, and dark. And then you find you try to find a middle ground in between. So it's it's working with people who also who down the road work with the aesthetics, and then backing up and going to R and D or research and development and saying, "Here's what we're looking for. Here's sort of the aesthetic we'd like. Here's some real life samples. So here's a, a picture of a marble." that was extracted from the ground that looks really, you know, perfect and spot on. We don't want to copy that. Nature does that um, well enough on its own, but how do we get the, the essence of that um, in a material? And sometimes it comes from something else. So uh, when we looked at, for instance, the cements, the cements and concrete and aggregate aesthetics that we have, we actually looked at things that weren't actually cement and aggregates to start with, but they had the, the visual texture and the depth of them. And sort of like I would see, I, I had some photographs and things that I, that I had taken that was just sort of a cloudy sky one day, but the way the clouds were moving and it was all kind of a gray sky, sort of a tone-on-tone sky. And the background reminded me of what cement sort of looks like as it's drying in different phases. So believe it or not, a photograph of a gray sky and clouds was part of an inspiration board for the background to a concrete or a cement aesthetic. Wow, that's uh, that's that's pretty impressive. So, so what you're saying is that you know through um, you know real life samples, imagery, different textures, you'll supply the Dupont R and D team to say, hey, here's kind of what we're looking at and the feel and look, and um, you know, you talk about background colors and foreground colors and veining. Then that R and D team kind of captures all that data. And without giving away the DuPont secret sauce, really comes, <laughs> yeah, exactly, really comes um, back to you with, is it, is it, um, do they show you pigments? Do they actually create a sample at that point? What well, happens kind of in that time frame of, of real R&D? Well, sometimes we'll actually see samples. They'll work things on if we can work from um, coloring we know we have. Other times... I will, and I work with with Massimo Fucci in Italy as well in Milan. So the two of us would team together on both sides, you know, from the two sides of the Atlantic, um, from the aesthetics development, and then we'll wind up looking at um, a common ground of color 
that we can use. So for instance, and uh, I'll go back to the onyxes when they were first introduced, I wound up working with um, a colorant or a color company that um, they can match. So our R&D got the fan deck from those. They had, they already knew them in Europe. I have them. So we could look down, I could say, here are a number of greens we'd like to experiment with for Jade Onyx. And we all could open up the fan deck and look at the exact same color and know what we were all talking about. You mentioned Europe there and, you know, Corian Design being a global brand. That must be pretty challenging trying to create aesthetics both for the North American market, but also, you know, European and global. Is there a challenge there or any limitations to that, you know, that thought? Um there, there are, although Massimo and I just uh, separately went to, we're at three different design shows. Um, he too in Italy and I was, uh, was at one here in the US and we sort of compared notes afterwards and we were finding similar things happening. Uh, okay. I find this, I, I am still very involved with Color Marketing Group, which is an international color association. I'm a former president. And we have also found that a lot of our international meetings, so we have North America, Latin America, Europe, and Asia Pacific, and they work independently of one another during the year and then come together towards the end of the year to sort of share what they came up with as final palettes of color. And this is just talking color right now. Um, and it's astounding to find that around the world, independently, we came up, we come up with very similar stories and very similar color collections or color forecasts. Um, Massimo and I have found something similar as well. We do our own research. Um, and compare notes and then often find that we're kind of on a similar track because the world is looking at kind of this, we're seeing the same things happen around the world almost instantaneously, instantaneously now. Um, and then we have to, again, have to interpret it. Uh, so we see all these things coming through and now we're looking at affirmation and saying, okay, here's what we've done and how are they, how are they, sort of trickling down and what did we produce that works with them so we were very pleased to see at these three major shows things that were coming in the marketplace where we fit perfectly into the aesthetics that we found showing up at those shows yeah and mark do you think that that is because of you know social media and we're so connected globally now um is that maybe what's having an impact on you know more similarities than differences there's there's a, that's a major component it's a major component of that. Uh, and because and people can, they can do the research. What we show here is available somewhere else. And, and we can compare them and say, oh, we like it or not. What, I, what is sometimes interesting is the acceptance mm. can vary slightly differently sure. between what happens in Asia or Europe or, not, or, or North America. And I'll sort of compare North America and Europe a little bit more um, because, and then lifestyles change a little, a little bit. Um, the sense of ease that we see in North America is slightly different than the sense of formality that sometimes shows up in Europe. Mm, that's um, very interesting. Which is which is always fascinating, and it's and it's it's great, and it's something that um, we tend to be fairly well known for is the sense of ease and kind of easygoing attitude for the most part. And I think sometimes the the acceptance of aesthetics roll into that. But then we talked of them. Uh, we talked about it at one point, and there is. The ease can be translating across across a line, so you can have flowing veins, for for instance, which has kind of a you know invites your eye along a surface, and it, it 
can be reminiscent of, of water flowing, even though you're not showing water, but it's kind of that, that thought process. As a matter of fact, some of that went into Artista um, and kind of a flow and a comfort in, from nature when you look at it. And so it's easygoing and comfortable and natural, but at the same time, it has a nice formality depending on how it's used, how it's uh, fabricated and what space it's in. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, it's very interesting. Uh, another question for you too, Mark. Um, how does, you know, a major world event, like, you know, what we've experienced with the pandemic, how does that play into to color trends? Is there an impact there? Um, there there has been. Um, part of it is the, when I talk about the warming um, and the beige, um, very specifically that, that family, but the warmth of that, people really, really, we look at this, we're needing this comforting, or this sense, constant sense of comfort and of, I'm going to say ease because they wanted everything to be a little easy because there was so much stress uh, going on in the news. And no matter what you did, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going, what's going to happen next today? What's the next news report? Um, so that was part of the biggest one. And when we looked at that, it wound up color collections that had a bit of recognition and tradition to them. So neutrals in a broad definition, both warm and cool, light and dark, came to the forefront because they were easy for people to, uh, for consumers to look at and embrace. But at the same time, they still needed energy. They can't just curl up in a ball of, you know, a beige. It had to have something going on in it. And what I think we've seen with these new collections, what we were really trying for it's that they're neutrals that stand on their own. By definition, neutral doesn't have a lot of say. It sort of sits in the background. It's pleasant. It's nice. Doesn't cause any troubles. We wanted to create things that have that a neutrality to them, but they could stand on their own and be exciting. So there's pattern and texture because we've added texture. I mean, when you think about it, the new quartz launch, 60% of those colors have a matte or textured finish to them or leather texture. Yeah, and actually, can you can you talk a little bit about the the new finish, the matte finish, um, um, on the Korean court side? That actually grew out of there were two things you grew out of. One was industrial design. Industrial design as a as a mover as a uh, oh category, good word for it, mm-hmm. um, is not going away. It's refining itself. It's not quite as oh, let's find an old cart in the warehouse with greasy wheels and roughed up wood. It's, it's shifting from that to a much more refined, highly tooled metals and, and looks and stones and beautifully created where we sort of want to know the inner workings of it. So industrial has changed in that respect slightly, but it's still there. Uh, but we also know that a lot of the finishes industrial are matte and then if you look at matte finishes they invite the hand to them people want to touch that because it's warmer to the to the eye and it feels softer to the hand and it comes back to what we've also been needing the last couple years or i should say desiring the last couple years is that things give us comfort so now we started looking at textures that offer comfort as well and the matte was a really good way of looking at that. And it's not just in our services, it's across the board. So I'm seeing it happen in, in fabrics. There is so much more velvet and suede mm-hmm. and suede looks, uh, softened wools. There's a, a lot of in fashion this year, both in men's and women's, they've actually taken sort of classic Shetland wool sweaters or lamb's wool sweaters, and they've actually roughed them up to pill them in advance. So they've got this really fuzzy, slightly worn look. So they feel like you've had them for a while and they're just comfortable 
Um, so, so it comes across the board and they have a different finish when they do that. They kind of, they also visually mat out a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting to you that, you know, we're talking about Corian quartz with the new uh, matte finish, but, you know, with Corian solid surface, it's always been recommended that, you know, it's in that, that matte finish and it always has had that very comforting, very smooth, silky, warm kind of feel. Um, so it plays in really well with what you're saying, that, that comforting factor and, and what we're all seeking. It has been marvelous for that. Yeah, the, the low sheen of solid surface has been very interesting. And it's it's always, I've always found it kind of um, wild to a point where, because it does do that, any product will do that, but it, people will, will have solid surface, they'll put their hand on it and they'll go, oh, this actually feels almost warm. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it, it has a different feel to it. The material actually does something different to when it's under your under your hand when you run your hands over it because it doesn't feel hard and cold uh which is which is has always been interesting and it kind of plays i think with a lot of the new a lot of the new aesthetics it plays into that even more so um, absolutely I, I think the the just the texture of corian solid surface as people you know feel it uh is one of its main values that it brings to uh to any surface so uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I want to say something on the leathered, if I may, since we're on oh, Yeah, sure. There's something that's very, um, some something unique that's still happening that we're actually kind of proud of um, in that the leathered, the texture, the leather texture that goes onto our courts, and it's kind of a fun thing to do as a little experiment. And this came to me actually when I was in an architect's office for a launch of our, our, our earlier launch of some leathered texture finishes. And he closed his eyes at one of the architects and he ran his hand over it. So he was not looking at the aesthetic. He wanted to see how it felt. And he ran his hand over them and he looked and he went, mm. he said, they look like they feel good job. Uh-huh. And, and then he walked away. He started walking away and said, oh, no, 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 wait, play, wait, come back. What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And he said, well, if you, he says, if I run my hand over this, if I look at this, it says um, Storm Gray, for instance, he says, is a much tighter uh, aesthetic a little more dense, and it actually feels more pebbled if you compare that Fadisha cream where things are opened up a little bit further and it feels a little smoother. There's texture to it, but it's a slightly smoother texture. And he said a lot of companies will put a texture over it and it's the same texture no matter what the visual aesthetic is, is your texture um, sort, of mat- not, sort of matches your visual texture. Yeah. So your touch and your your touch and your sight are very similar when you look at them, and I and I think it's a marvelous. It was a great observation on his point, and I think it's an exciting thing. And when we when we look at these aesthetics as well, yeah, absolutely. So so from what I'm gathering, um, you know, the journey of a of a color launch is ongoing, um, which which has its challenges. Um, what would you say is is the largest challenge of this entire process? Is it finding the right time to launch a color, staying on trend? You know, you mentioned you know forward thinking two three years out, working with uh, your European counterparts. What's kind of the, the 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 most challenging part of this whole process? Wow, that's an interesting question. I've said interesting three times now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny. It's it, it. It always is. I just. I just find everything that I get that I that I'm privileged to do is just. It's just so. Kind well, of let's 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 flip that around and and not call it a challenge, but most exciting part of it. The most exciting part is actually seeing ideas come to life, hmm. and they're 
interpreted ideas. Uh, so, so we're constantly looking, you can say, oh, this would be great and this would be marvelous and let's look at this, but you don't know what it's going to be until it actually comes out in a sheet of solid surface or a slab of quartz or Endura porcelain. And then all of a sudden there it is in all of its glory. It's like, oh, it's, it's just, it's truly just sort of like this moment with a little hallelujah chorus kind of rhymes. Aha right. moment. Yeah. That would be very fulfilling, very exciting. It, it really is. It really yeah. is. I, I have to say that the Carrera series um, in solid surface, I saw the first plaques for that in 2017. Oh, wow. Those were, those were we from scratch and they were four years in the market before we really thought they captured the essence of Carrera marble. We're actually, we're hearing a lot of buzz about that particular collection. Um, the Carrera Lino uh, seems to really just be a popular one among uh, designers and architects. It's, beautiful. it's, it's beautiful. And amusingly to say that I took the train to Philadelphia yesterday and there's a beautiful marble train station downtown 30th street station in Philadelphia. And I was looking at the columns and they remind me very much. They reminded me very much of, of, of Lino, of Carrera Lino. I thought, yep, here it is. Here's this phenomenal building uh, with these, you know, massive soaring columns, and there's the there's the aesthetic. It's sort of within the marble, within the columns themselves. Oh, that's it, fantastic! Well, it's, it's fun hey, to see it. Before we uh, before we wrap up here, I don't know if you're allowed to tell us this or not, but you know, which what would you say would be your favorite color in the Korean solid surface uh, new aesthetics and your favorite Korean quartz color? Oh, those that know me, that's that's a Sophie's choice. That's like making me pick out my favorite color of socks. <laughs> it's like making you pick your favorite child. Exactly. Yeah. And they and they do actually feel like that too, too. Um, you know, you you hear once in a while, like, oh, well, this one's doing really well. This one's not doing quite as well. Like, oh, I want to take that in my arms and say, okay, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, in, I'll start with Corian Quartz. And I think this was early on one of my favorites because it's so unique and it's also unique to us is, um, the Alabaster Terrazzo. It has got so much going on. And as I was looking more into the history of it, I love that one because it has not only a modern side to it. We think of terrazzos from mid-century modern, but it's historical. There are terrazzo floors in ancient times. It's been used forever and ever and ever as a material and i think having it now to translate in a material that doesn't require all the work that the other ones do was really good but i love the the look of it i like the larger particulates that some of them are translucent that it can pick up light in different ways just i think makes it just a really exciting in that one an exciting look in quartz um because it's so different than than the other pieces we've had and in solid surface, it's it's really hard to not be totally excited about the Carrera. Um, and I think it's because it's been so long in the making to finally have it come out. Um, they were all, they've all been created new. Um, the cements were created new for us. All of these pieces you know, were worked on and created for the different um, aesthetics. But I'd probably a solid surface, I'd probably have to say the Carrera because I know the journey that they've been on to, um, to, to get there. Yeah. Uh, so it's exciting to see them. And I think they're, I think they're beautiful in what they do. Um, aesthetically, their colors between the warm and the cool are spot on uh, for the times and also for moving forward. 
Well, the entire the entire launch on both the Corian solid surface side and the Corian quartz side is just fantastic. I really believe that, you know, you and the Corian design team really outdid yourselves and you should be very proud of of what you've released. They are going to be very popular uh, with our listeners. Um, I do want to thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Mark. And, you know, again, thanks to our listeners. And we really do hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Um, Mark, if our listeners would like to reach out to you, how should they go about that? Um, actually, there's a couple of ways they can do that. Um, they can certainly um, write me, or probably one of the easiest is to follow me on Instagram. And it's Mark underscore design underscore color. Fantastic. They can message me there. And of course, and I'm, I post, it's almost all design. I post all kinds of things about color and design and um, interesting things that I, that I see in, in, in industrial automotive. And of course, lots of neat new things with our Corian design um, family of products, the entire collection. So always something interesting to see there, hopefully interesting to see. So that'd be wonderful. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you again. Much success, happiness, and health to everybody. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. For listeners who are unfamiliar with Willis, we are curators of premium design materials. Our portfolio includes Corian Solid Surface, Corian Quartz, Corian Endura, Lapitex Interstone, ARPA High Pressure Laminate, Fenix, and Kohler branded sinks and faucets. To find out more about who we are and how we can assist you in your next project, visit us at forwillis.com.